episode of the Classic Pickup Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Whips, and I hope you enjoy this episode. This podcast is sponsored by Classic Pickup Supplies, your number one Ford and Chev pickup parts supplier. Mention Classic Truck for a 10% discount off your first order. Classic Pickup Supplies, located in Coolum Beach, Queensland. Call 07 5446 2667. Or visit their website, www.classicpickupsupplies.com.au. Classic Pickup Supplies, dedicated to the restoration and preservation of the pickup. Episode 5, Classic Pickup Supplies. This week we catch up with Dean, Robin and Ben from Classic Pickup Supplies in Coolum Beach, Queensland. As you'll hear, this family-owned business has been operating for 17 years supplying Aussies with the Ford and Chev parts they need for their builds. I'm keen to hear back from you with some feedback on the podcast so far. So if you have a minute, send me an email, DM me or PM me, and let me know what you think and any suggestions for things you'd like to hear about in the future. I hope you enjoy this episode. Dean, Robin and Ben, thanks guys for joining us on the podcast today. Great to have you along and uh, look forward to a good chat. Thanks for having us, Michael. Yeah. Thanks, Michael. So maybe we'll start with Dean for no particular reason, but uh, if we just run through, Dean, uh, tell us tell us a bit about your sort of history. I mean, what what was your first automotive memory as a, as a kid? Mate, I I was into my uh, XY Falcons when I was a young bloke and bought the family's um, XY Falcon station wagon off my mum and dad when I was 17 and, and uh, I restored that. And then then after that I got into GTs. I, I had a number of XY and XW GTs. I had a GDHO Phase 3 I restored. And um, and then an XY GT and then an XW GT and, and then um, I sold those when the prices went crazy on those. And then I got into pickup trucks and Always wanted to restore one, so I ended up um, restoring a '56 F100, and um, and mate, then on that's how I just sort of got into the, and then I just stayed in the trucks. So I sort of didn't venture back into Aussie muscle cars at all. I just sort of uh, enjoyed the truck scene because you could change them around and you could change colours and change running gear and engines and what have you. Where with the the GTs and muscle car scene, you had to restore them to, you know, correctly, like the right colour, the right trim. And I just found that a little bit boring because you couldn't sort of put your own little touch to it. Yeah, especially with the value of those vehicles, you sort of, if you do anything too out of the norm, you're kind of losing money big time there, aren't you? You, you do, Michael. I mean, if it's a factory starlight blue and you want to paint it ultra white, well, you just can't, I mean, you can do it, but you, you lose so much money in the value of the car. So where the pickup trucks was a, sort of a breath of fresh air, you know, you could buy a truck and and do what you want with it, put whatever running gear you wanted to put in it and whatever colour, whatever trim, airbag it, or raise it, 
you know, put it on a four-wheel chassis, and I, I just, I just really enjoyed that side of it. Yeah, and what was that first Ford? Was that a an Aussie right-hand drive truck or an import? No, it was a factory, a factory right-hand drive. Yeah, nice. So it was an Aussie one. So it was a really nice truck. It had a three five one Cleveland in it, FMX Auto, and um, a nine inch diff in it, and it was just a really nice truck to drive. No power steer or air conditioning, but um, it, it was it was a, a good truck. Yeah, and that. That was already built. You bought it like that. Yeah, mate. I, I sort of bought it three quarters done, yep. and then I just uh, I, I finished it, and um, and that's how we sort of got into the parts business. I, I ordered some parts out of the states, and they sent me some wrong parts, and and then I sort of sold those parts. Um, it's on the trading post and just parts magazine. Yeah, and then sold them pretty quickly, and I thought, oh well, you know. It might be a, 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 a you know a business in this selling truck parts, and that's how that sort of started. Yeah, because because at that time, I mean, I remember as a young bloke trying to do cars up and stuff like that, and you know there was there wasn't a lot around in Australia to to get those kind of things from, was there? No, no, Michael, not not for American uh, parts. You know, like you could buy American car parts that that like you know. The 56, 7 Chevys were popular, and so you could buy stuff for cars, but it wasn't really, not too many outlets where you could just solely buy pickup truck parts. Yeah, so and, so the, your companies like Rare Spares, and they'd have Aussie stuff, but n- nothing overseas, really. No, yeah, your Rare Spares is really your Aussie market, and, um, and, and classic pickups is just purely the American market. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. And then, so, about what age are you when you buy this first pickup? Mate, is I would have been, um, what, oh, mate, 35? Yeah, okay. 35, and, and um, mate, and then I've had, I've, I've had quite a few trucks since that first 66. I've sort of, um, I'm not. I like both models, to be honest. I'm, I, I like I like some Chevs and I like some Fords. So I, I'm not. Re- I'm a bit of a sense a, a fence sitter when it comes to brands. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm the same. I I I'm not brand loyal, but I'm era loyal. I think is the right way to say it. So if it's a that forty-seven through to fifty-nine-ish era, I I quite like most trucks. Um, it's just a it was just a classic styling at the time. So for me, I mean, I don't even mind a Dodge. They're, they're not my favourite, but the body lines are still quite nice on those. Mate, they are. I, I sort of the mid sixties. I like the Chevs in the mid sixties. In the mid fifties, I, I lean towards probably more the Fords. Um, the early early uh, early fifties, I really like the Chevs. I, I just yeah, I mean. Mate, I, I, I wouldn't knock back any truck, to be honest. I, I just think if they're restored right, and there's so many, you know, ways that different, uh, what would you call it? Different configurations, really. Yeah, you know, rat rotting now, and they restore them. It's just, it's just, it's just an exciting thing to be involved in, because you just very rarely see two trucks the same. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Like you say, you can, you can do a Napco-style four-wheel drive, kind of set up or you can bag them or you can leave them stock and and 
you kind of don't get hated on too much either way you go. No, no that's, that's it. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Okay, so Robin, tell me about your first um, automotive memory. Well, that happened when I met Dean when I was 18. <laughs> so, uh, I, 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 um, my, my, my first car was like a Gemini. Yep. But, but no, when, once I met Dean, he's, he had this really nice XY Falcon um, station wagon. And, um, and then I really enjoyed that scene. I, we used to go out like Sunday driving and all that sort of stuff. Like, all the girls like a wagon, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so that's and and um, like it was a fairly steep learning curve for me when we started the business because I didn't really know the parts too intimately. So it was very much a learning. I had to learn very very quickly so that the uh, customers or the sellers that were ringing had confidence in my ability. Yeah. Yeah, and were, you, and were you sort of dragged into, not dragged in, but uh, when the idea of the shop came along, were, was that something that you were like, oh, that sounds really good, or, or did you just start off, can you just do the books and help me out, and then and then you came into it more and more? Um, yeah, that was about that was about right. We uh, Dean started in it full time, yep. and then I had my um, my occupation. I was a teacher, but I'm a teacher by trade, and then. What happened is we started doing a lot more. We did a lot of shows and um, trade shows and hot rod shows, and and the the business grew very very quickly. Um, and it ended up where it just got got way too big for me just to um, do it in the afternoons. So um, yeah, but I really enjoy it. It's yeah, it's, a, it's a great um, a great business. You meet so many nice sellers and um, see, see lots of nice trucks and yeah it's really good yeah and are you seeing more and more of the ladies getting involved and, and buying stuff here yet yes yes so I've actually got quite a few ladies that um, are doing up their, doing up trucks at the moment and yeah. they don't they don't seem to have partners that I know of but uh, they yeah they, they're doing a great job but, and that, they're doing full restos too not just you know the cosmetic stuff. They're they're ground up stuff that they're doing. So hats off to those ladies out there. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, there's there's more and more stuff. Even you know, with your motor trend shows and your YouTube shows and things like that. You know, like the Flying Sparks Garage and and those sort of things are just not not that I think anyone needs to be shown that a woman can do something. But I think the more and more ladies who are out there achieving things, it just gives um, more people the confidence to get in there and do it themselves as well yeah most definitely most definitely but yeah those shows have really pushed pushed those these trucks into the uh, forefront i think and um yeah and and i think with the trucks too they're more um acceptable to be like an everyday driver too michael like uh they whereas you're like your your cars are more just your, your sunday driver but your, your trucks you can sort of jump in and drive them every day and and um, really enjoy them. Yeah, oh, very good. All right, Ben, we won't let you sit there too long on your own. So obviously, I'm going to assume that that you you're born and you're a bit of a toddler when the shop opens. What what are your first memories of it all, mate? 
Mate, my first memories of sitting underneath a, a table at a trade show um, and, and just sitting there thinking, oh, yeah, looking at people's shoelaces, me and my sister and thinking, oh, gee, you know, maybe we go for another walk for the 13th time and see all the same cars again. But, um, mate, it, it was good. It, it was, I mean, it was fun. We used to go away for a weekend to a trade show and I used to get to walk around and see all these, you know, super cool cars. Um, and, you know, I'd go back to school and, and tell everyone about it. You know, I was sort of king of the kids, telling them and showing them all these pictures I had and stuff like that. And, and I guess that's where you really got to see the, you know, the evolution of, of sort of the culture we got over here with this sort of thing, you know. Like, um, definitely seeing, you know, more um, young guys getting into it now, young guys and girls, I should say, like you just mentioned, Mum. And, um, yeah, it's just just really good. But, yeah, I, ha- I look back at those really fond memories, just going away with Mum and Dad and um, doing trade shows for sure. Yeah, and it's fun as a kid. I, I remember my dad had a, a 1959 Ford Star Model Custom line, and... Uh, and so we used to go to all the rod runs and all the shows and yeah, and you'd just run around as kids, exactly like you're saying, with a with a camera taking a million photos and trying to win all the competitions. I remember winning a, a taco because I could take the eight plugs, eight spark plugs out of a block faster than anyone else. <laughs> was it that yeah, well, I yeah, I used to have a thing where I'd, I'd always try and find the best sort of model model car for that that show and that was sort of like a running um, sort of memento of each show he went to in a, in a sense and um, so yeah little things like that um, is really good and I suppose it just helps you when you're growing up with you know around stuff like that I, I think it's just a natural progression that you're going to want to try and stay in the industry I suppose yeah and as a teenager were you leaning towards the trucks because of the shop or did you like some like hot rods or sedans or, or what what were you sort of looking at yourself oh I well obviously at that time um you know, Dad still he still had the um, the GTs and sort of. So I always thought the sedans were pretty cool and all that sort of stuff. But um, I actually my first truck, well, my first car was a '77 F100. And I remember it was um, it was just a single cab short bed. It was pretty cool. It had a pretty ratty old um, old uh, canopy on it. But Dad said, you know, look past that. We'll get rid of that. And it was you know it was cool. Two tone. It was blue, and white on top. Um, Unfortunately, I didn't get to finish that. I, I ended up having to go to Brisbane for um, for uni, and uh, that probably wasn't going to be the most practical car getting to and from the Sunshine Coast. But um, so I ended up selling it to a guy of the Gold Coast. But um, yeah, it, I, I was always since then really keen on on the trucks. And just like Dad said, it's it's because you can really do whatever you like with it. You got more um, freedom. You can use more creativity, and um, yeah, they're just a good all round all round car to have. You know. Yeah, no, that's great. And so, what what do you guys have now as as like a runaround shop truck? Do you have a a vehicle? Yeah, well, mate, we just thought we had a um, we had a factory Aussie right hand drive fifty three F one hundred that we restored and we we sold that to a fella in New Zealand. So it's about oh, four months ago. Yeah, and um, so it's over in New Zealand now. Just at the moment, we just had to make room for our with restoring a fifty one. Chev COE, Cabo Ringin. Yeah, I saw, yeah. I saw some photos of that in bare metal. Is that how it's going to stay? No, mate, I'd love to keep it in bare metal, Michael, but we're, we're going to sort of, I haven't, the, the factory colour is Mariner Blue, so I'm thinking about putting it back to Mariner Blue, but uh, what we've done, we put it on a 1980 C30 Chevy. Yeah. Right hand side, we've shortened it. Um, 
it's, it's a jewelry. So we're just going to, we've completely airbagged the truck, so we're just going to turn it into a bit of a, uh, a mini truck. So it'll look like a, you know, it looks like it how it would have been back in the day, a, a, a truck with a turntable on the back. But we're just going to just make it a lot smaller. Yeah, okay. So, um, yeah. But, will, will you put a tub on that or are you just going to put the turntable on it? No, it's a, yeah, it's going to be a flatbed. Yeah. And we're just going to make it into a fifth wheeler. Yeah. And so it's sort of a short bed truck. And um, we've, put it, we've gone um, an LS engine, a six litre LS engine with a six speed auto. And mate, so we're hoping that the thing should could come along okay. No, that'd be great. And then do you have a big trailer that you put your stuff in and, and take to shows? Is that sort of part of the idea? Well, mate, eventually I'm going to build a, turn it into a box truck. I, I want to build, be able to build a box that I can take on and off, so it's going to look like an old-school box truck, and that'll be all our, our display stock and our show stuff in there. Yeah, And yeah. that'll be lifted on and off. So when we go do a show, I'll just drop the box on the back of the flatbed, and um, and that'll be done old-school, so it'll be rounded corners with you know barn doors on the back and whatever. And um, and that's what we'll do. Uh, used to do shows in. No, that'd be cool. And are you leaving that uh, as a left hooker, or are you going to convert it? No, we converted it to right hand drive, Michael, because the C30 Julie that we bought was a, a factory Aussie truck, right hand drive. Yeah. So we cut the dash and we swapped it over. So we turned we. It's right hand drive now. Yeah, nice. Yeah, it sounds um, not too dissimilar to my build in a lot of ways, but. Um, Oh, that's cool. And and then... What are you building, Michael? Uh, so I've got a 1950 Chev truck, um, which is... It's on its original chassis, so it was one of the bigger trucks. Um, but I've shortened the chassis, C-notched it. It's got... Uh, the suspension's all off a C20, a, a 78 C20, so it's got independent front suspension, disc brakes, 14-bolt uh, rear end, um, with a, just with an axle flip, I'm going to leave it static and, uh, yeah. and it's a dually and it's getting the 12 valve Cummins. So, <laughs> wow, <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's going to have a, a fifth wheel hitch in the back of it as well. And, um, and then I'll just build a big trailer off the back of that. So it's going to be a work truck. What, what, what are you towing with the truck What's uh, on the back? Uh, it'll just be so I've got a steel fabrication business and um, and I'm starting to work towards doing more and more stuff with with trucks. So ideally for me, what I want to be able to do is um, you know throw a big flat trailer on the back, good good decent flat six meter long trailer, and be able to go and pick a truck up if I find one and and do that sort of thing. So awesome, mate! Sounds cool. Yeah. Well, I know where you can get parts from, Michael. <laughs> well, you don't have Aussie parts though, do you? Oh, yeah, I know, I know. Well, you might have to start buying some left-hand drive ones then, Michael. Yeah. I'll tell you what I, I am doing to it as well. I'll let the cat out of the bag. I've been keeping this quiet. But I'm putting the fifth window corners into my Aussie cab. Oh, nice. Yeah. Five-window cab. Yeah, so five-window right-hand drive um, cab. So that that should be fun. So I'll, I'm definitely going to need some gear from you for those. <laughs> you know, You know you can actually buy that panel, don't you, Michael? Yeah, you can, but then then you can't keep your patina. So, I'm uh, I got a guy in the states to to cut those two sections out of a, an old body for me and ship them back. And so we've 
I've basically trimmed it as close as I can on the outside and it's it's getting welded in and we're going to try and just match a little bit of patina in so as it looks like it um, yeah. is always there. Good idea. Mm. Yeah. Well, we got a, we got a 59 Apache in the shop at the moment. I'm sort of working real hard on trying to convert into a shop truck as well. <laughs> but um, it's it's pretty cool. It's, it's the original sort of turquoise-looking colour, like the classic patina colour, isn't it, really? For, uh, but, yeah, it's the same. It's... It uh, would be a cool truck to to leave as as is. Um, looking at it, it's just such a cool look. Yeah, I was looking at that on your website recently, um, it, and that's a good price that you have on that for sale. Is it is it still for sale, or you decided to keep it? No, I think we've decided to keep it, mate. We're, we're sort of look. If someone buys it, we're going to start cutting the rust out of it. Yeah, and um, so. You know, if someone buys it during that process, we'll sell it. But if they don't, well, we'll just keep chipping away with it and then have it registered and then drive it around. And and if someone buys it when it's running, we'll just... It's just a... It's sort of a funny go-about way of convincing the wife to keep it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a nice truck. That's a, I really like those as a fleet side. I think they look really good. Yeah, yeah, so do I. It is a cool, um, cool shape for sure. Yeah. And it's amazing, like the the the, bat, the quality of the truck is quite good. Like the badging, everything on it is, is really good for the age of it. Um, so, you know, wouldn't wouldn't take much get a bit of the rust out to and, and you know drop a new engine in and we would be good to go. Yeah, and you've obviously yeah. got all your cab corner repair parts and everything you need in stock. Yeah, so they're actually all sitting in the back of the tray at the moment. <laughs> they're all there waiting to be fixed onto the truck. Yeah, no, that's it's it. Hard to Michael, that's what that, that's the problem. It's hard to part with it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I um, I've got a few in my yard, and everyone keeps asking me what I'm doing with them, and I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> or you're always doing them up. <laughs> or usually, every single one's always a project, right? You're yeah. always going to finish it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, very good. Um, so, so you must have a bit of a workshop then. If you've got the COE and the fifty nine, you got enough space for all this stuff? Yeah, mate. We've got probably I don't know three three hundred fifty four hundred square meters between the two sheds, and and one shed's the the office. Oh, sorry, the the, the shop, and then the other one's sort of the workshop there, where we just do a bit of you know stuff for ourselves, and. Um, and mate, yeah, it does get a bit squashed. That's why it's hard. The bigger the shed, the more the more you bloody keep. So it gets sort of a bit out of hand. So we, you just can't really keep everything. So you got to sell something to make room for something new. Yeah. But you know, and Margaret, the, the pickup truck industry now is just so good for guys who want to restore trucks because you can you can buy so much for them now, which makes restoring them so much easier. Yeah, and even I've been impressed to see some companies in America starting to make parts for our right-hand drive trucks as well, which has been great. Like, it might be. It's an American company, and they do billet dash panels yep. for the Chevys. Yeah, see, that's good. Yeah, so they're doing, they're doing the right-hand drive ones too because I think they've just had so many of us kind of saying, hey, look, we need them as well. Yeah. Hmm. And, 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 mate, the, the internet's made the world so much smaller as well. Do you know what I mean? Like, if, if you bought some cab corners and you got on YouTube, if you, you know, just typed in replacing cab corners on a 58 Chev, there is somebody out there that videotapes himself doing that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. you, you just got to make sure he's not one of the really shonky ones. 
<laughs> but it's it sort of, you know, it, it's just, um, there's so much help out there now in doing these trucks and cars for that. There's, you know, if you want to work out how to put a wiper motor in, there's someone who's videotaped how to put a wiper motor into a truck. Yeah, there, yeah. Or a wind it's great. And, and I mean, we, we've gone from, I mean, I grew up still with the forums for information, but, you know, now you've got the Facebook pages that have, I guess they've become our forum now. And and it's so much easier just to, you ask a question and, and you get photos and answers and, and, and heaps of information. It, it's, yeah, it really has changed things for everyone. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm. I mean, yeah, like you said, those Facebook pages, they, they've got, we've got some really big ones over here now. And I think it, it just, it shows how, how much bigger the whole pickup scene is getting over here when we've got so much more resource and people following it, you know what I mean, and giving advice. It's really good to see. Yeah, no, it's great. So let's talk about the shop for a bit. Um, so you guys, um, well, why don't you tell me uh, or, or our listeners what what you mainly stock and, and, uh, and if you don't have it, you know, maybe you can get it in. How does that all work? Well, Michael, it's certainly hard to keep absolutely everything in stock, so we try and um, target like our big movers, and our big movers are normally our sheet metal um, repair panels, uh, mirrors, rubber kits, um, lenses, handles, things like that. Yep. And um, what what we do is we offer a, a two week turnaround, so we freight every two weeks out of the state. So what I don't have in stock will normally be here in the, in, the, in that two, in about two weeks time. So, um, but I've been fairly, I think I've been fairly good at sort of picking my marks on what to hold in stock because uh, obviously it, it's all money sitting on the shelf. So you've got to make sure you don't stifle yourself with cash flow. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, but we also. I mean, at the end of each month, you sort of get a bit of an idea uh, of, you know, what, what's been the popular truck of the month sort of thing, and you sort of work towards trying to keep some of that, that stock that's sold well, in, you know, uh, available for everybody because, you know, there's nothing better than ringing up a local place and, and having a part within a couple yeah. of days, you know what I mean? So we really try to uh, keep as much as we can in stock, but then, like Mum said, you know, whenever... We don't have something. We try to we try to have to keep it turnaround as quick as we can. I think you do that pretty well, really. Yeah. Well, we, this is our seventeenth year this year, Michael. Yeah. Congratulations, so, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And uh, and I've actually got my very first customer from seventeen years ago. He's still going on his truck. So um, we really. Yeah, it's been a long, long time coming. We really. Um, How far away is it from oh, I think it could be another seventeen years. I think, so. <laughs> Um, but we really value, like, we try and value customer service here. Um, we like to talk to our fellas, like, um, the website's a big thing, but I, I, I do prefer to have a chat with guys and make sure that they're getting the right part, like, with the terminology. Some of the terminologies across the, the trucks can be quite different from, like, even from different parts of Australia to, um, obviously, America, they call things differently as well, so... It's very important that I have a chat with fellas and make sure we get the right parts for them and um, and uh, have that customer service backup for everyone. Yeah, that's great. And and what about things like 
you know, rims and that sort of thing. Is that do you deal in any of that sort of thing, or is it mainly uh, body panels and how and glass and that sort of thing? Yeah, mate, we sort of try and um, because we've got such a large range because we do Ford and Chevy, we sort of um, steer clear of engine and transmission. Yeah. Um, we do do your original suspension stuff. Um, and and we don't but we don't really do wheels and tires. Uh, we're more yeah your repair panels, replacement panels, um, yeah mirrors, glass, accessories. All your finish, all your finishing sort of uh, parts that you need for your truck, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's so, great. And uh, and your website's got quite an extensive list. Um, shows all the different trucks, and you can choose your categories. So obviously, seventeen years, yeah. you've worked out how to do it right. I think. Well, that, that, the website, we just launched a new web, website, but it's still a work in progress. We're still working on getting more photos on there. And, it, like, I could, Ben and I could sit on that website 24-7, Michael, and we still wouldn't have it done in a, a couple of years, I reckon. It, that's how big the, the, all the parts well, are. Parts, so, yeah. Um, but, yeah, the new website looks really good. I mean, it's definitely an improvement. I'm not sure some of your listen, listeners might have uh, seen our previous website, but the new one. Is uh, definitely much much better, a lot more user friendly, and um, hopefully, yeah, hopefully, you guys can see the pictures a bit better on this one. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I guess the basic message is if if you're doing up a, a classic Ford or, or Chevy pickup and you need some parts, just give you guys a call and and you might have them in stock. That's that's correct, and what and as I said, what we don't have is normally a, quite a quick turnaround. So, um, but yeah. More than happy, love love to chat and meet new people and um, make sure that they're getting the right stuff for themselves. And we've got some, Michael, we've got some contacts in second-hand stuff too, so if we can't get a part, we've got a couple of contacts in Sydney and Melbourne that guys are dealing second-hand parts of these old trucks, so we can always put them in onto those guys. Yep, yep, that's great. You know, so we um, can always sort of give them a hand to send, help send them in the right direction if they're chasing something that we, we haven't got. Yeah, that's good. And I, over the years, say, you know, 17 years of, of seeing, I guess, the trends of what Australians are building, have you noticed that has it gone through, changed from what's popular and what's not over that time? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think why trucks have become popular is because Australian muscle cars have got so expensive. You know, like you go back 15, 15 20 years ago, you know, a young bloke could buy a XR GT or a HQ, G, you know, like a Monaro or something. But now they're all 100,000 plus cars. So the young blokes now look at cheaper things to get into, and the pickup truck is still quite a cheap truck to get into. You can buy a really cool truck for 15, 20 k. Yeah. And you know, so the muscle is, is the Australian muscle car now. It's just got basically very expensive for for, for young guys and girls to get into. So. It's sort of, I think that's what's really brought on the truck thing in the last probably five years. Yeah. It's really, really picked up and, and, and it helps when you can get parts for them now. So, if you, you know, you don't have to source wrecking yards or, or try to you know, bring stuff in second hand. You can sort of restore one quite quite easily. Yeah. And and what about what about eras? Are the, um, are the earlier ones more popular or there's a really good mix? Yeah, so... When we first sort of started, your you mid-50 Fords and your uh, mid-50 Chevys. 
Yeah. Were, I suppose, the, the top Very of the good. tree. Mm. And then... Um, they got expensive. Yeah, then they got expensive and they, everyone started looking at the earlier chefs and uh, early, early forwards. Uh, early forwards. Mm. But... Um, but now, like, we, we never used to have a lot of um, mid-60s Chevys on the books when we first started, but they've become very popular, yeah. like, really, really popular. So now that it seems like every third or fourth person has has a 60 to 66 Chevy that they're doing up. So, um, sort of, people move on, Michael, when, when, a, when a truck series gets too expensive, always start to find out the ones that ain't as popular and then they start buying them and they start restoring those and guys start looking at them thinking, mate, that looks really cool, restored or rotted. And then they start getting momentum. Like the, the what is it, probably the, um, the, the late yeah. 50s, you know, 57 to 60 F trucks, the twin headlight ones and the Apaches and the Chevs. Yeah. Nobody wanted them. You couldn't give them away, Michael. Now, you know, they're desirable now because you can get into one of those reasonably, but you'll find over time they'll get expensive because everyone seems everyone will sort of get onto that bandwagon for that model. Yeah, yeah, and I know I know they're seeing that in the states now where where they're all moving on to the OBS trucks now because the the even the square body stuff's getting so popular. Yeah, the square bodies are going through the roof in America at the moment. They are really super popular. Anything from seventy three up to eighty seven. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Bring in a few square bodies, and, and, and I, I could buy a pretty good quality short bed square body for like um, like a '78 G10. You'd pay eight thousand dollars for it. Now that same truck out of the states, you're paying twenty five thirty for it. Yeah, well, popularity popularity drives the market, doesn't it? It does. Mm. It does. Yeah, no, that's good. What about um? So you guys, you do a bit of a cars and coffee thing there, I've seen? Yeah, we just um, we sort of stumbled into it, really. The, our shop here at the moment, we've got a bakery across the road, and they um, they were doing a cars and coffee once a month, and we sort of thought, well, you know, we were looking at the cars that were showing up and sort of thing. We thought, well, there's a good good little following of, of pickups around. We should, we should um, start something up and, you know, show some of these other enthusiasts you know, a bit of the trucking culture up here, and and we've been ever since. It's been a really good uptake by everybody. You know, we've had people coming up from Brisbane as far as the Gold Coast just for the morning to, you know, park the truck up, have a chat, and get a coffee. So it's been really, really cool to see that come alive. Yeah, and you've got a good venue for that, haven't you? Because you've got quite a bit of parking space, and and especially on a weekend, most of the other businesses wouldn't be open. That's yeah, right. absolutely. We got a we got an easement that separates us from the. Uh, from the from the bakery, so you know parking's not an issue, and it actually creates quite a good vibe. It's, it's essentially our whole side, you know, migrates over to the bakery to look at you know some different cars, and and they do the same. And it's it's a really good sort of vibe of the morning because everyone's seeing something different for the first time in a way. You know, it's it's good. Yeah, oh, that's great. And and is it just trucks that come come visit you guys, or is it a bit of a mixture? No, no, no. We we sell we sell um you know Chevy car and Ford car parts yep. as well. So we do have customers that make a trip up um with their their sedans for sure. Um you know we, everyone's welcome to come along, but um yeah it's just it's just good and it also gives a you know it gives us a chance to see customers finished products. They often they'll bring it up and we'll see a finished truck, which is cool. You know like 
how you get to walk through, just see the parts that we supplied and what they've managed to do with them. Um, so that's really cool. It gives our customers a chance to come pick parts up as well. Like obviously everyone works during the week, so you know, of, of a weekend that's probably their only chance. So they'll come up, pick their parts up, and it sort of gives you that face-to-face contact with your customers that you don't sort of get over the internet sales and sort of phone, which is really quite cool. Yeah. yeah Michael, there, there, there was a stage, mate, there was a time when if you had one Sunday driver sitting in the shed that you just drove on Sundays, you were doing really, really well for yourself. Yeah. Now, the average bloke will have, you know, up to half a dozen cars sitting in a shed. You know, they'll have a Harley. They'll have a stand. They'll have a pickup truck. They'll have a, you know, a, a new Mustang or, you know, like, an, an average guy will have at least three, four cars sitting in the garage. You know, it's just sort of... They need a place to, they need a place to drive them to on a weekend. <laughs> That's a big movement now, cars. You know, like, just... just, just with the internet buying them out of the states, it's just sort of the market's so much smaller now. You know, to buy these, or oh, bigger, I should say, it's not hard to buy a truck or a car out of the states and have it here in roughly five to six weeks. No, no, and there's heaps of them. I was just in LA about three weeks ago, uh, dropping uh, my Cummins engine off to get shipped back, and. There was just muscle cars and trucks as far as I could see. And I said to the guy, I said, how often does that amount of vehicles get shipped? I, this, these were going to Australia and New Zealand. And he said, oh, that's monthly. It's just unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a bit of a trend now too, Michael. They, say you bring in a left-hand drive vehicle, it's really desirable to actually leave it left-hand drive now because I've heard of quite a few vehicles actually going back to America, being sold back to America after they've been done up. And because their dollar, because our dollar's quite weak against the American dollar, so say something's worth 150000 Australian, like it's only like about 120 American, and if it's got all the good deal on it, it's actually quite a bargain for them. Yeah, it's quite a change, isn't it, going back the other way? Yeah, that's right. So, so mm. it's pros and cons for leaving your your vehicle factory left hand drive if you if you've actually got a left hand drive. Plus our engineering over here, because our all our laws are so much more stringent than what the US is. Like our trucks are really well known, aren't they, for being well built? Um, and so you know they they also like that side of it as well. They can take it back, and they know they've got a really well-built truck, not just not just a pretty-looking truck. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we don't get a truck regoed on the road anymore unless it's it's really safe. They're, um, I sometimes think it's a little bit over the top, but it, it's certainly better than the opposite. Some of the stuff that I see, especially on Instagram, being built in America, I, I'd cringe to see it go down the road. Oh, yeah. We've bought some trucks in over the years, and, and some of the trucks we've brought in, they looked all good in the photos, and when we got them back here, oh, my God. You know, like, we're sort of stuck with them because you couldn't sell them. Yeah. Mate, some of the sea notches I've seen, that I've seen done over there, just, like, incredible. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit scary. It's, um, the biggest thing that I, that blows me away, I mean, I, I think it's the whole country with everything, you know, obviously, Rego's different in every state, but the fact that the engineering laws are so different between our states, um, mm really makes things tricky, I think, because I, I, I understand that they want to have these engineering laws and, and I understand the reasoning for them. 
And um, I'm actually going to get a bunch of engineers on the show and talk to them about a few things, a few different, you know, get some ideas on on what they recommend and don't recommend. But it'd be really interesting to ask some questions, probably above the engineers, up up higher, wherever that is, whether it's Vic Roads or whoever sets the rules, because the the chassis rules that are around at the moment, they they're just bewildering. It's hard, mate. I, I, I just sometimes think, you know, like the, the Australian Street Rod Federation, you know, what is, I think it's pre-48 pre that they have a set rule around the country. And it's sort of it's sort of not a bad concept, that, because all those guys, all those pre-48 guys all know what the rule is in every state. And, and it makes that vehicle saleable in every state because you can get it registered. But the problem we have here, you could build a truck here or a car, and in Queensland, and, and it's all approved, but the guy who may want to buy that down the road from Victoria might not be able to get that registered. That's right, yeah. They don't see that as, you know, and it's sort of, yeah, you know, I'd like to see some sort of u- u- uniformity like the pre-48 guys have, that at least we've got, especially for front ends. You know, like there was a time there you could put a Jag front end in, and then they went, no, you can't have a J, you've got to put, put this is in Queensland, you, you can put an L300 in. And then, you know, and then some guys are still doing Jags. So it's all over the place. And it's just been nice to have it a bit more streamlined. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've, I've got a mate that bought a truck in Adelaide and he's just moved it here to Victoria. And the engineers here are saying, no, you got to change that, you got to change that. And yeah, it does. It, it, doesn't make sense, but it's the same country and the same roads. It, I can't see how it makes any difference. That's right. Yeah. We're not that big a country, Michael. No, no, we're not. So, what about what about travel for you guys? Have, have you been over to SEMA and and done that sort of thing? Yes, we we've been to SEMA a couple of times. Yep. Um, it's massive, isn't it? It's just like it's take your walking shoes and walk for four yeah. days, basically. Um, it's just it just blows your mind because, like, their their market is just so huge. It's hard to comprehend. Um, yeah, it's just... Yeah, yeah. Co- compared, like, there's nothing like that here in Australia, Michael. You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. We, we, we spoke to a couple of um, trade teams and just yeah, what they invest in that, in that team of show is amazing. Yeah, uh, or just have a stall there, I think. Cost you an arm and a leg. It, it does, know. mate. We 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 were talking to a wheel fella, and he was like on a stall that was like ten meters by say ten, and th- just the stall cost him a hundred, yeah, hundred and twenty grand just for the stall, and he he couldn't even set it up, mate. He had to actually get, he had to submit his plans, and then the convention um, staff set it all up for him. So there's an added cost. Yeah. So. And they don't actually do any selling at SEMA either. A lot of a lot of people they don't sell at SEMA. It's all um, you know, just get your name out there and product um, stuff. So. Well, it, it's essentially the the Super Bowl of of the automotive industry, really. When you think about it, it's it's all about the advertisement. It's all about being seen, and it's just mega. So it's the best way to probably probably liken it to something, I suppose. But but Mike, we like, we Robin and I were there. I think like four weeks ago, yeah. and and you just see so many more old vehicles on the road. They're restored now, like 
you know, you, you, you'll be driving through California or, or in Kansas there for a while and, and you just, you know, a few years ago you'd see the odd, you know, old car or truck, but now you sort of, um, just so many guys are into it. Yeah, and, and we're seeing that here, I think, too, you know, like every now and then I'll be in Albury, Wodonga sort of area and, and you'll see a Chevy truck drive past or you'll see a, you know, a, a nice old Ford Fairlane or something and it's just great to see more and more of them on the road, isn't it? Yeah. That's right. There's, there's not, no new vehicle on the road that's going to be a classic in 20 years' time, Michael. No, no, that's for sure. And and the way the, the car clubs work with the with the, um, the historic registration and that sort of thing, it just makes it it's so much easier for people to, to do that. What we find at the moment, Michael, is a lot of these car resto shows like Gas Monkey and oh, there's a whole heap of them, they restore a car in, in a half an hour show. Yeah. And then you, we get guys ring us up and and that they've bought something and they sort of think that that's all it takes. You know, they watch these TV shows and they'll do a, you know, put a cab on a new chassis and they'll do it in, you know, 15 yeah. minutes and they think that's, that's reality. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. And it's just a little bit more work than that. <laughs> yeah, it is. I've had mine for two years and it um, doesn't even have an engine yet, so it's, uh, it's quite... <laughs> It's on its way, buddy. Yeah, it is. It's on its way. It's gonna. I've, I'm actually. I've got it in my. The cab's in my workshop at the moment because I was like, well, I better get all this bodywork finished because once the engine gets here, all I'm going to want to do is get it running. So. Yeah. yeah. And is there? Are you guys a member of a local car club there? Like, what? What's the setup as far as uh, the Sunshine Coast? Yeah, there's a there's a group called the um, Sunshine Coast Hot Rod Club. That they're trying to sort of uh, get going. There's actually, well, they're, they're pretty well established, but there's also a Sunshine Coast pickup um, Facebook group. Yeah. Um, and and they're trying to sort of get get a bit of a scene happening and do some, you know, drives on a weekend and whatever. And, you know, they've been a great help with us with our driver revival on a Saturday morning as well. Like, they've been really supportive of that. Um, but, yeah, it's um, it's slowly, slowly getting more trucks up here on the Sunshine Coast, that's for sure. Yeah. I've actually heard a rumour that there's a couple of people trying to get a, um, a, a Chevy truck nationals happening. Yeah, I, I think there'd be no problem. I mean, they're, they're clearly the most popular brand of pickup truck in Australia at the moment for the old classic stuff, I think. You know, there's, there's a lot of old Ford trucks around, but I don't know, for some reason, people don't seem to do them up as much as they do the Chevys. No, I think yeah, I, I'm. I agree with you. If you, if we looked at our sales and stuff, yeah, Chevy normally out outstrips Ford. Yeah. Um, most. Um, I don't know. I, that that's a, a difficult lot. You find a lot of um, sellers put the old like the Chevy engines into Ford. I don't know why they do that, but um, I, I think it might come down to like the easy horse, yeah, easy horse and cost effective too. Like you can, you know, I mean, you can buy those LS engines where and they don't cost an arm and a leg like a like a Ford engine would. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, you know, it used to be the three fifty um, small blocks, and now it's the LS. But it, it goes a bit the other way too. Like I mean, guys used to always put a Ford nine inch in the back of their Chevy, didn't they? That's exactly. That is so true. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, 
there's always, I think my truck's going to have, uh, well, it's a Chev truck, Chev chassis. It's going to have a engine out of a Dodge. The seats are out of a Audi. Um, so it's a good mixture. Yeah, that's, that's what you want. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> and there's no, like, there's no rules unless you are, unless you are actually doing a, um, a proper resto. One of the guys that we just recently interviewed, Rocky, he's got a 57 GMC um, Suburban Carrier. Wow. Yep. Yeah, so they've got the fiberglass, uh, like the fleet side, body sides, and um, quite a rare car because the American, um, the American, uh, American, the Chevy um, carriers, they made quite a lot of those, the Cameos. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But GMC uh, only did a limited number of them, and and so he's got a fifty-seven, and he he's doing pretty close to a an exact proper you know resto on it, and it's just so hard to find the parts for him. Oh yeah, you know, and I, and I think that that's the shortcut that you see so many. Well, whether it's a shortcut, but it makes it affordable if you if you go, oh, I'll put whatever seat in it I want, or I'll I'll put a steering column out of a HQ or something in it. It still works and and saves you a bit of money and, and you're driving your truck around. That's right. And mate, it doesn't cost. It's not a. You can you can do up an old truck, old on the outside and on the inside. All the running gear can be modern, so you can drive like a late model truck. Yeah. You know, with you know you can airbag the suspension, which makes it ride so much nicer. You know, put an LS or a fuel injected engine in it and. You know, disc brakes and air conditioning, and power steering, and and it just sort of it changes. It makes it so much more pleasant to drive. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't rattle around like my old Land Cruiser does. No, that's great. Um, all right. Anything else you guys wanted to to chat about? No, not really, mate. What I was going to mention earlier about the the trucks, the amount of trucks coming out of the states, Michael. I read a little while ago there was a, a, a movement guys in America trying to restrict the amount of vehicles that were leaving the country to uh, um, Europe, Australia, and New Zealand. Yeah. And, and parts of Asia, and because um, apparently what they were saying was they're losing a lot of their history, like a lot of you know. Um, rare cars are leaving, so they're, they're trying to get a movement going to uh, restrict the amount of vehicles that could be exported out of the states. Yeah, I don't know how they would get away with that, but yeah. there, there was talk of getting something happening to try and block it a bit to try to slow the stem of cars and, and, and rare vehicles leaving the country. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if they'd be able to do that or not. I mean, like when you when you're from Australia and you've not been to the states. And you, and you see like a Mustang or a, an old Chevy truck, you think, oh, you know, they're so rare. But having, you know, I, I spent a bit of time in the States, but especially this last trip, because I just had two weeks driving around Arizona and um, Colorado and uh, Utah, basically looking for bits and pieces for my truck. And the amount of times you pull up on a farm that's got 20 or 30 trucks sitting out the back, they're everywhere. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you know they're not they're not quite as rare as I always thought they were, but um, yeah, it's it's interesting. They, oh, sorry, Mike. They seem to know what they're worth now. Like I can remember going over the states years ago, and you could you could you know pick up an old truck for less than what the car car would cost you to hire. Yeah, for a few days. 
But now the guys seem to know what they, you know, they. It, it's getting harder to pick up a bargain. Yeah. But I think that comes down to, like, we were talking Facebook before, how helpful it is. That that sort of goes the other way because, you know, these guys in the state see what we're paying for these sort of trucks and all that sort of stuff, and that's, that's what gives mm-hmm. them the knowledge. <laughs> so you can't pull the wool over their eyes as much now. No, no. And and with the um, the flow of traffic, it happened to us here in Australia uh, about 20 years ago with the, the split-screen combis because... Uh, oh, yeah. The, the POMs got onto the fact that ours are right-hand drive and that they were fairly rust-free, and, and they come over here and started shipping them all back over to England. <laughs> and that, that's why it's hard to find a split-screen copy in Australia because they're all driving around in London. There's still plenty of them over there. There's still plenty. I mean, we're driving through... Utah and, and the top end of Texas, yeah, New Mexico about four weeks ago, and and there's still, as you say, mate, there's still a lot of trucks sitting in paddocks. Yeah, yep, and and you know, a few of the guys I spoke to, a lot of the guys were happy to sell stuff. You know, they were like, oh yeah, you know, you could have this because I was looking for guards because I I don't want to put new guards on my rear guards on my truck. I wanted to have you know beat up sort of patina guards so i drove around and and just found like i I can tell you the number one thing that is destroyed in america on a uh, advanced design pickup truck is is the uh right hand rear guard because they must just reverse into everything (laughs) (laughs) i was on one property this is this was out in the in the middle of kansas the armpit of america as everyone tells me but um this guy would have had 30 Chevy trucks around the back of his shed and and 15 of them would have been 47 to 53 models. There would have been 10, 10 of them that had beds on them. And out of the whole lot, I got two left-hand guards and that was it. <laughs> the, re- the rest of it was junk. So... Uh, <laughs> But um, no, definitely. Like if you if you're willing to go over and do the legwork, there's still there's still plenty of stuff available over there. Yeah, and, and it's such a cool place to drive around, isn't it? Like just you know, you see something and you do a U-box, go back and and you know, there's nothing like going through an old wrecking yard over there. Yeah, yeah, they've got heaps, they've got everything. The one thing I saw a few of that I that I haven't seen much in Australia is the Studebaker pickups. They're a beautiful looking truck. Uh, they are. Yeah. Actually, they're pretty hard to get now. Yeah, yeah. And the the beds on those are very similar to the Chevy bed because I actually did did what you're saying. You know, I was on the highway and I spotted this bed that had been turned into a trailer in a guy's yard, and I was like, "Oh, there's a Chevy bed." So I, you know, I had to go a couple of miles up the road and and do the big U banger, and then Google Maps find out how to get to this guy's house. And yeah. yeah, and I got in there, and it was actually a Studebaker bed, and the. They're quite similar, just a bit different in the guards, but um, yeah, they're, they're, they're nice truck. Yeah, mm. I'm Well, I don't think we'll ever run out of old trucks. I think there's still a lot sitting in places that no one knows over there. Yeah, and even here, like, I mean, we're we're talking a lot about American trucks, and and I'm, obviously that's sort of where your business is more driven towards. But the amount of um, you know, classic. Chev and Ford trucks that are sitting in paddocks here in Australia still, there are a lot of them around. There is, mate. Rob and I went out camping the other weekend, about an hour west of Coolum here, and 
and we come across the 1965 F-250 sitting in a paddock. Yeah. And you think, like, yeah, so you're right. If, if you know what you're looking for, you'll find them. Yeah, yeah, well, I'll ask around a bit, you know, like, there's always a few people in town that know. But, I mean, you know, yeah. you, you can, obviously, the one of the big things that you see here is, is the, you know, putting a cab on a HQ chassis and, and that that's a pretty tried and proven method. But that that sort of would be good for you guys still because everyone needs a bed, don't they? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And and you, you have you can supply complete brand new beds, can't you? Most certainly can. Yeah. Yeah. That's we can do fleet sides, we can do step sides. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Excellent. Well, I'll tell you what, it's been great catching up and having a chat. Um, next time I'm up having a coffee with Joe, I'll definitely come in and spend oh, some like. money. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, thanks for coming along and, and having a chat with us. And uh, and just so everyone knows, if they want to get hold of you guys, so the website's um, classicpickupsupplies.com.au. Yep. And you're on Instagram and Facebook, just as Classic Pickup Supplies. Yep, absolutely, mate. You can get us there. Um, and you can always uh, call us on 07-5446-2667 as well. We're happy to take your calls off. Fantastic. All right, guys, thank you very much, and um, and keep up the good work. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Michael. Talk soon. Bye. Thanks, Michael. Bye. See you, buddy. Well, that's the show for this week. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. All information shared in our episodes is general and you should contact your engineer for advice on your build. Please remember to rate and review the podcast on iTunes and share it with friends and fellow enthusiasts on Facebook, iTunes or the good old word of mouth. I appreciate hearing feedback, good and bad, so please feel free to shoot me an email, classicpickuppodcast at gmail.com. If you are interested in advertising on the podcast and have a relevant business, please get in touch. And finally, if you have a project you're building, it can be hard to find the time to work on it. Just spend 15 minutes a day, even if you only unbolt one panel or mount one bracket. You'll be amazed at how quickly it all adds up. The music you hear in the background of this podcast is called Hammer On Down by Uncle Bonehead. Until next week, enjoy the ride.